thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Hey you, poetry reader, this is Bjork's sister, Mjork. It's okay, we also have a soul and a weekly poetry reading on Mutiny Radio's AltaCast, zoomed every Wednesday at high noon from Glasgow, Scotland. One of our co-hosts from Choose Poetry, Choose Life, Andy Talbot, has a new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, which is available at analogsubmission.com now. Go buy it, and don't let the poets lie to you. Once again, that's Andy Talbot's new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, available at analogsubmission.com. Welcome to Strictly Bad Vibes, your personal complaint department. Um, what, what the hell are we talking about? Um, whiny people and their stupid complaints that we requested they send us. Why do we do this? Why, why are we <laughs> None of which matters in this equation because it is his choice to carry such horse shit on the fucking train. And he was yelling, he was like, move it, bitch, move it, bitch, and, uh, and, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't. I'm just not. I'm not moving it, you know? I've arrived. Why should I move? I don't like what work has been giving us at our free lunches. 115-340-1976, and it does not spell anything. 115-340-1976. Go for it. Call in, guys. Are the end times upon us? Not yet, my friends. Please. This is an impassioned plea from Pam Benjamin, the director of Mutiny Radio. Let us live past October. You think it's a joke? COVID is decimating all of us. And especially us here at Mutiny Radio, we have money left until October 1st. Don't let anyone sing. Despite of their size, please, please go donate to our GoFundMe. Go to mutinyradio.fm and click that GoFundMe button. Or just go to Venmo. Mutiny Radio, all one word. Just Mutiny Radio. Give us five bucks. Help us keep free speech and radical self-expression real and alive here in San Francisco and all over the world. Please donate. 
to our Mutiny Radio GoFundMe and keep us alive in 2020 and beyond. Don't let our world end. LSD fap acid fapping fapping and acid acid fapping fapping and acid fap 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 acid. Thank you. That song is called Acid and Fapping. The Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. If you want global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines, vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. your boy Sifo here here to let you know that the fifth annual mutiny radio comedy festival is march 1st through 7th 2020 with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m to 10 p.m all week get your tickets now on eventbrite just search mutiny radio and get ready for 76 comics from all over the u.s coming for 66 programs in seven days all here at 2781 21st street in the heart of the mission or if you can't be with us listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at www.mutinyradio.fm join us march 1st to 7th for these amazing events what kind of a future Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Terrace, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Criminal Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 
Streaming live to the station. MutinyRadio.fm. District of the Mission. MutinyRadio.fm. MutinyRadio.fm. Listen to live streaming radio. Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. Look, why not go to mutinyradio.fm, hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun! Gold Cadillac with the white material. And I started to do some thinking. Yeah, I did it on the and I'm having a really, really good time. Flat black glass. Smoking big spliffs and cruising. Saturday noon to two. On the freeway. Good to see you. I am a total fraud. Lori Stanton's voice is absolutely right. I am Teddy, rebellious, and adolescent. And I will cut the Henry! Henry! Yeah, Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. Let's watch full-length movie on YouTube with Michael Spiegelman. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen. By uh, here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Michael Spiegelman. What's happening? This is your boy, Rob Edwards. I'm here to tell you about the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's March 1st through the 7th, 2020, with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week long. Get your tickets on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comments from all over the U.S. Coming for 66 programs in seven days, all here at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission, or listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at mutinyradio.fm. Join us March 1st through the 7th for these amazing events. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit 
thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Tired of paying too much for your internet? Contracts and hidden fees got you down? Tired of supporting the same big cable companies that lobby against a free and open internet? Get Monkey Brains! Monkey Brains is a local internet provider who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local, and 100% net neutral. Residential internet for only $35 a month, business packages starting at $75 a month, Go to monkeybrains.net and sign up today. 
Asiento. Take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket, March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. El Rio began her life in 1978 as a leather Brazilian gay bar. We are an LGBTQ plus space who is welcoming to all good people. We actively invest in communities to promote social change. We actively invest in our local arts and music scene to give space for artists. We actively pursue underserved communities in the use of our space. We are an awesome supporter of the fifth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, hosting an incredible offside show. Wednesday, March 4th, 9 to 11 p.m. with LGBTQ plus and allied comics. So come out to 3158 Mission Street at Cesar Chavez, San Francisco. It's open every day at 2 p.m. with an incredible back patio. El Rio is your dive. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> got the Mutiny Mutiny Radio, got the Mutiny Mutiny Radio, got the Mutiny Mutiny Radio, my friend. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny ra- radio, my friend. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be. Like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? 
I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Michael Spiegelman. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Let's Spiegelman. We're hosts of <laughs> YouTube uh, with Michael Spiegelman. Follow us on podcast by with our acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. We watch a full-length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and yeah. watch the movie at the same right. time. Yeah, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Yeah, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. All right, Mutiny Radio listener, we have some urgent news from the front, thanks to Wania Thibault of buckskin revolution and season six of alone go check her out on her youtube she sent me some important community environmental advocates foundation news canadian firm proposes opening grass valley mine public comments are due by august 17th 2020 this is very very time sensitive in that august 17th is next week and grass valley california Nevada County recently announced that a long-awaited public process will begin on a controversial proposal by Canadian mining company RISE Gold Corp to reopen the historic Idaho-Maryland mine. Located in Grass Valley, the mine last operated in 1956 and shut down due to financial difficulties and diminishing production, yet it left behind a legacy of both a legendary gold mine and a prolific amount of environmental damage. The lure of possible untapped riches has continued to this day. As recently as eight years ago, the previous owner, M. Gold Mining, abandoned its second effort to open the mine due to an inability to resolve environmental issues and exhausted financial resources. Now RASE Gold is betting on succeeding where others have failed and has submitted mining permit application documents to the Nevada County Planning Document Department. On Friday, July 17th, Nevada County released a notice of preparation that summarized the project and starts the public review process. Citizens are invited to give comments and feedback on the plan by August 17th, 2020. That's next week. There will be no virtual public hearing. Instead, the public is invited to watch a pre-recorded presentation that will be posted for viewing by July 27th. Citizens will not be able to give verbal comments, but are being asked instead to send a letter with their concerns to the county. Community Environmental Advocates Foundation members have asked the county to extend the deadline on the comment period until September 16th so that the public has adequate time to review the proposal and send in their concerns. Quote, this is a massive and complex project 
with a permit application of over 100 documents to serve the public interests and assure that all the potential impacts are studied, we are asking the county to provide more than the minimal 30-day review period, unquote, stated Ralph Silverstein, CEA Foundation President. According to the project documents, mining will take place 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The main access to the mine and processing facilities will be located at the 119-acre New Brunswick site, located at the corner of Brunswick and East Bennett Roads. About 1,500 tons of waste rock and tailings will be processed from the mine daily, with most of it being deposited on site or trucked to the 56-acre former mine site on Idaho-Maryland Road west of Centennial Drive. Over the course of 11 years, these built-up engineer fill piles of mine waste will cover 75 total acres to heights up over 90 feet. They will be graded on top so that they may be utilized for future development. The mine waste will be transported by trucks making up to 100 round trips per day, 16 hours per day, seven days a week. Quote, I don't think people have an understanding of how impactful this will be to our community. We're looking at a two gravel quarry type operations in Grass Valley, built upon two sites covering a total of 75 acres, more than 100 truck trips daily, and all the noise and dust associated with that, unquote, added Silberman, Silberstein. Three years ago, a Canadian firm, Rise Gold, purchased the properties and began preparatory work. A prolonged period of exploratory drilling was a constant source of irritation to the neighbors due to the -the round-the-clock noise, and numerous complaints were filed. Already, conservation organizations, local residents, and community groups have expressed concerns about the mine's impact on air quality, noise, traffic, groundwater, local habitat, and threats to domestic wells in the area. The proposed highly industrial mine site is surrounded by residential neighborhoods. One major issue from the previous effort to open the mine was the impact of dewatering the miles of underground tunnels, requiring pump, pumping out 250 acre feet of groundwater into South Fork Wolf Creek initially, and then perpetually pumping after that. All of this water must be treated to remo- remove pollutants. In addition to the impacts proposed, uh, of the proposed dewatering, the plan indicates that a long stretch of the creek will be encased in pipes to act as an underground storm drain for the entire property. Quote, we are concerned about the nonstop discharge of large amounts of water from the mine into the creek, unquote, stated Jonathan Keene of Wolf Creek Community Alliance. Quote, South Wolf Creek should not be treated like a storm drain, Keenan added. We are concerned about chemical pollution from mining operations and about local wells becoming polluted or going dry. Residents of the area also expressed concern about the impact on their neighborhoods, quality of life, and home values. The proposed buildup of mine waste rock and tailings on the main Brunswick site backs up to rural residential neighborhoods where people have settled seeking peace and quiet in the natural setting amongst trees. Quote, when we bought our home, the nearby Brunswick site was zoned for light industrial, which didn't concern us. But to open this mine, they needed to rezone it, which will change the very nature of the area we live in, stated Christy Hubbard, a resident of Grass Valley. 
And like many of our neighbors for miles around, we live on a well that produces the sweetest water and costs practically nothing. It's not clear to me that any expert could absolutely guarantee we won't lose that. Strong local opposition to reopening mines is certainly not a new thing in Nevada County, but recent history raised the level of concern to new heights following the opening of the Siskon mine in 1995. After posting a significant bond and gaining assurances that the wells in the area were safe and the impacts of dewatering the mine, a permit was granted, only to find that within a short period of time, wells were sucked dry and rendered unusable. Quote, water is the most precious resource in our foothill communities. In the mid-1990s, as a result of the Siskon Gold Corporation operators, we lost numerous residential wells on the San Juan Ridge due to catastrophic dewatering of our aquifer, explained Sol Henson of the San Juan Ridge Taxpayers Association. This included the loss of the well at Grizzly Hill School, the primary grade school of the ridge. Since that event 25 years ago, Grizzly Hill School still has to treat its water for contaminants as a result of that mining activity. Much like the dewatering plan proposed by RASE, Siskon promised everything, and then suddenly our wells were ruined. We hope history doesn't repeat itself, unquote. The notice of preparation is available on the county website. That's at mynevadacounty.com 3054 Environmental Impact Record. Again, that's www.mynevadacounty.com backslash 3054 backslash environmental impact report. Information on how to submit a letter to the county can be found at cea-nc.org mining. Now is the time to make sure the county is right asking the right questions about the Idaho-Maryland mine. The mission of the Community Environmental Advocates Foundation, CEA Foundation, is to perform research, education, and advocacy to promote public policy and actions resulting in responsible land use and environmental protection in Nevada County and the Sierra Nevada region. All right. Wolf Creek Community Alliance, WCCA, is a volunteer-run 501c3 nonprofit organization focused primarily on cleaning up Wolf Creek and restoring this neglected community resource to a condition of optimal health and integrity for the benefit of all its human and wildlife inhabitants. That's at wolfcreekalliance.org. And the primary purpose of the San Juan Ridge Taxpayers Association is to promote the environmental, social, and economic well-being of the San Juan Ridge community located in Nevada County, California. California. So thank you, Winia of Buckskin Revolution, located in Grass Valley, uh, she was in season six of Alone. She lasted 73 days in the wilderness. She now teaches ancestral skills in workshops. Right now, I, I believe she's working online, but she's done gatherings, and she's just an amazing human being. So thank you for sending that. Winia, again, that's Community Environmental Advocates Foundation, and try to write a letter before the 17th of August to um, shut down, not let the opening of the Grass Valley Mine happen again in Grass Valley. So check that out. Thanks again, Winia. And we'll be right back with more Mutiny Radio stuff because the stream's back up. Yay. Dot FM in dot SF. 
coming at you from 278 121st Street and Florida Street. We don't have Aqua Q tonight. We're going to be having an interview with Storied SF. Jeff's going to be here. We're going to take some pictures and we're going to have a little interview. I'm very excited. We're double dipping on a podcast, two podcasts recording at one time with Storied SF. So coming up in the next hour. Then at 6 o'clock, we have Joke Workshop here every Monday at 6 o'clock. 18 comedians, the first eight all get four-minute sets and four minutes of comments by their comic peers. And then it's just an open mic with four minutes after that. But everybody's really nice and pays attention, and that is Joke Workshop at 6 o'clock every Monday. You can sign up, just friend Facebook, like us on Mutiny Radio Facebook, like our Instagram, Mutiny Radio SF. Give us money on our Venmo at Mutiny Radio. That would be great. <laughs> and uh, listen to some more music. This is an old morning train by J.D. Buell. He's no longer with us on this mortal coil, but we still get to listen to his musical choices, his DJ wonderment. Miss him very much. And uh, that's the morning train with J.D. Buell. Oh, no, I've said too much. Or maybe I haven't said just a dream. Jackie Naylor's version of Losing My Religion from the album The Color 5, which was released in 2006. Before Jackie, the Isley Brothers, a track found on Forever Gold, released in 1977, their version of Todd Rundgren's Hello, It's Me. Before that, Gene Chandler and one of my numerous theme songs, The Duke of Earl, Number one single in 1962. And also topping the charts at number one in 1956, Elvis Presley with I Want You, I Need You, I Love You. Speaking of Elvis, dig this.
Why? What a party that was at the county jail. The Jeff Beck group from the album Beckola, on which they performed two Elvis Presley songs, we heard Jailhouse Rock. They also do All Shook Up on there, Ron Wood on bass, Nicky Hopkins piano, Tony Newman drums, Jeff Beck on guitar, of course, and vocals extraordinaire, Rod Stewart. Also on some extraordinary vocals, Eric Burden, 1966, with the debut of the group known as Eric Burden and the Animals, on British radio, doing Heartbreak Hotel. Let's go down to Texas now and hear Rosemarie from You're listening to Mutiny Radio.fm in .sf, and I am here right now with Storied SF and Jeff, yeah. Jeff, Jeff of Storied SF. Hi. Am I on here? You are I'm on. I'm not hearing myself. Yes. You have to be a pretty close to the mic. Oh, okay. There you are. go. Yeah. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Hi, and Pam. you can always turn your volume up a little bit more if you okay. like. Okay. And hi. Thanks so much for being here on Mutiny Radio. I'm super excited. Storied SF, another podcast, local podcast. Yes. Doing stories about... Inter- I'm like, I'm interesting enough to do a story about, yay! Oh, yes, you are, absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you f- for having us. Um, this is also a-, a little bit different than what we normally do. We're not always in the studio. Like, we bring the studio to wherever it is. Um, should I introduce our project? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so um, I- when I say our, um, the Story San Francisco is Michelle Kilfeather sitting here to my left and myself I'm Jeff Hunt and uh, I I guess I'm like the the audio person and she's the visual we're an audio visual um, she does photographs I do the podcast part so um, we started about four years ago and our sort of impetus or the inspiration to, to do this was that you know we have both been here at this point 
20 plus years. Um, but we found ourselves four f years ago or so complaining, doing that thing that we all do, like drinking ourselves to death and be like, fuck this city and what's happening. But no, it's like, no, but we also love this place and want to turn that into something positive where we celebrate the people who are still here so, so, and yeah. still doing good stuff. R.I.P. Hemlock. R.I.P. I mean, do, do you want to just do an hour of R.I.P.? Yeah, we can do that, right? right? Like every every small art gallery, every small business in San Francisco right now, all the cool things. It was like, where'd they go? Yeah. All the empty storefronts. It's scary. And then Lauren. everyone moved here because they were like, it's so cool. But then all the artists have to move because they can't afford it. It's like, oh, what do we do? Yeah. And like La Rondaya became a salad joint like is that is there anything more telling than that salad lounge yeah um, what does that even mean but no it's you know uh i i think it's it's like it, it it's specific to what to what we do but it's also i think a a general way to live life is like are you going to turn the negative into something positive and try to learn from it and i mean i have to say like, like going back even pre-pandemic <laughs> the joy of this project that we're doing because we're a weekly podcast we're doing 49 episodes a year so we're just constantly out there meeting and getting the life stories and really getting to know and share the stories of amazing people <laughs> um through the through the pandemic though i mean that's it's like that's t taken up a notch because everyone is trapped inside right. and not being social and not maybe not meeting new people. Although for so. creativity, I think for artists, it's been a boon because how right. many songwriters wrote a whole new album? How right. many people I think Taylor wrote Swift did like five, right? right? So <laughs> yeah. people have been super creative. Artists right. had time to paint. People had time to write. I think a lot of people just watched a lot of Netflix. But right. there have been people creating projects because they had the time to finally do it, right. which is exciting. And no lack of uh, uh, inspiration. Right. Um, <laughs> So the world's falling apart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's, I guess that's what we do. We have a different theme every season for each 49 episodes. And, and this season we're about, um, I think 13, a dozen or so episodes in our theme this season is we're still here. <laughs> uh, we did launch in this year. Um, so speaking to a lot of things, but the exodus or texodus as I've, I've heard it referred to is like, no, uh, a lot of people did leave by choice. A lot of people were forced to leave, unfortunately. Um, but we're still here. There's still a city. And and I think um, for Michelle and myself, it's like there's a – and a lot of folks out there, I believe. Um, there's a chance to, to make a better city moving forward. Right? Yeah. Because if we're building – once things are broken, we can rebuild. Yeah. So now's the time. Yeah. I just was surprised that the questionably housed stayed like the same. Yeah. I, I live in the Tenderloin, so yeah. pretty much nothing changed. Right. And I thought like with all of the people moving out, couldn't we have found homes for the 10,000 questionably housed people? And no, that didn't – nothing – that didn't change. And with literally <laughs> the biggest building or was for a minute on the West Coast, like that's just now empty. Right, <laughs> right. Like, and, and I guess it has art on the top. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, um, definitely not, not ignoring like all the problems that are still here um, yeah. and all the people who are suffering uh, at all. Um, but I think that's perhaps – you know, I'm not pretending I have any of the answers that Michelle right. has any of the answers or any one person has the answers, but there's a chance to build a better city, um, a more equitable city, a fair city, a loving, respectful. I mean, look around. Like, I, The one thing I feel like almost everyone who we've had on the show 
and we ask, you know, like, what is it that drew you to San Francisco if you weren't, if you aren't from here originally? It's like, it's just beautiful. And That's it's true. got, it's got this history of magic. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. Poetry, everything, that whole. So what brought me to San Francisco eventually I mean, as a child, I used to come in on the weekends and stuff, and it was very exciting. And my dad used to work in the city at the newspaper agency, which was the Chronicle Examiner. And, and so he was right there on Fifth Street. Mm -hmm. And I'd come in as a kid, and I just thought it was so exciting. Yeah. Uh, but then as an adult, I got into graduate school, finally. So I came here 13 years ago to go to San Francisco State and yes. get some master's degrees. Common thread on our show. Right. There's a lot of... It all goes back to SF State. I love it. I went there too. Oh, well, and I loved, so that was the thing about SF State. I wanted to get a master's in writing, but I didn't want to just, I lived in San Diego at the time and okay. I wanted to go to the best school that I could in California and it's for writing. It's San Francisco State. So right. I came up here, got a couple of master's degrees and I was, I was never going to leave. Right. Yeah. And then I started comedy and then, and I, right when I moved here, I started doing radio when it was Pirate Cat here mm -hmm, in this mm -hmm. building now, which is Mutiny. So I've been with this particular building since 2008. So, I mean, I love – I never want to leave San Francisco. I love it so much. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, what can I do to stay? I love it here forever. Do you ever have that feeling you're like, I might be the last one? <laughs> <laughs> that still loves it? No, I think there's – well, it's exciting. No, that the last one left. <laughs> oh, right. Well, I always knew I'd thrive in the apocalypse. I kind of feel yeah. like, I am legend. I will stay here. I will, I the, will eat pigeons. The world <laughs> caught up with fun. you. <laughs> well, I, I always thought – I wanted to call it, you know, the pandemic. I was like, this is oh, great. Yeah. I'm – I've always I've been kind of waiting for the the pandemic to happen, yeah. and it it was fine. It, yeah. I mean, I was always poor, so everyone else came down to my level. I was like, yeah. <laughs> now we're all in the same same place. But yeah, I grew up on. I was born in Livermore, so I'm a Livermore on um, 1974, quite some time ago, and um, I've never lived outside of California. Okay. And I, I just don't. Know. I lived. You know, I lived in San Diego for a while. I lived in Davis for a while, but I came back to the Bay Area because I love it here. Even yeah. my family disappeared. I just now, like, oh. this is my not like disappeared. They just moved. You know, like they left the Bay Area. And yeah. So they they went far flung, but I'm never I'm never leaving. So in sense of your family, you are the last one. I'm the last here. one. Yeah. Sure. Um, okay. Yeah. Can, can we make this about you now? Sure. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's that's what we I do. I hate talking about myself. I never yeah. do that on stage. But you are no. the the subject matter expert of your life story. That's, Am I that's right? true. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Do you know how your parents ended up around here, or like? Yeah. Um. They both worked in the city, and they had moved here. Uh, my father grew up in Redwood City. And my mother grew up in Illinois, and okay. then she moved to San Francisco to work. And I guess she met my father in a in an elevator on Leavenworth Street. I like, okay. like in a in an apartment building. Right. They were going. He was going to someone's house, and she was in. The, she had her apartment there, and it was on like Leavenworth and Post or something. And they met in the elevator, I guess. Love in an elevator. Yeah, love in an elevator in like nineteen. 60-something, nine or whatever, when, okay. yeah. Oh, that's an interesting time to come to San Francisco for work. Right. Am I right? Like, yeah. Not they, a lot of people's reasons to come here then. But they were not hippies in, right. by any stretch of the Sounds imagination. Like they were They were, no, <laughs> they are not at all. They were, like, I don't know what, I don't know what they were, but they're definitely, they're very Republican now, so I don't know yeah. what they were then, but okay. they're not, they definitely are not hippies, not call me pinko liberals like me. Right. But they met here and then. Decided to get married and moved to the East Bay and can we know, say bought where? a house. Yeah. Um, so I guess first they lived in Pleasanton and then they lived in 
then they moved to Danville. I grew up in Danville. Okay. Oh my God, soul sucking wasteland of Lexuses. Yes. But I know it was like poor little rich girl. I was so I was raised in Danville, which is a terribly wealthy place, mm-hmm. and. But everyone else was so much richer than me that I thought we were poor. Right. So I didn't understand. I just didn't understand <laughs> that everyone was rich. And I was like, oh, I only got a Hyundai for my birthday. <laughs> I didn't get a BMW or a Mustang like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I got a new car. What am I complaining about? Was it racially diverse? <laughs> we, had, we had four. Okay, so we had four African-American students in my class. One of them was Randy Wynn, who went on oh, to play yeah. for the Mariners and then the, and then the Giants. The Giants. And there's on, uh, he's a commentator he's for a the commentator Giants. He's a commentator now, days. yeah. And so he was actually, he graduated the same year I did. And I, it's a funny story. So I was a cheerleader and he played basketball all the time. And I had He's a big, tall. He was very tall. I had a very big crush on him. And so I'm coming off of El Cerro. I'm in a car with my mother. I'm like 16 years old. And I say to her, I, I have a, kind of have a crush on Randy Wynn. And she's like, the first thing out of her mouth is, don't you ever marry a black man. Oh, mom. <laughs> oh, mom. Oh, so what did I do? No. And when I was 25, I got married to a black, a black guy. So I was married for, I was with. Um, he was like my college sweetheart. We were we were together for 13 years, married for seven. Awesome. So I used to be like um, a bourgeois corporateer back in the day. Okay. And um, you said cheerleader. Can I we talk was. A, can yes. we talk other, about uh, more stuff about growing sure, up? Sure. Yeah. So I was a cheerleader. Like high school level. High school or? cheerleader. Yeah, oh, I was shit. a varsity cheer. And the only reason I did it is it was reverse stalking because I liked. So I liked Todd Benatar, and he was incidentally the nephew of Pat Benatar. I was just gonna say that name. Yeah. What? Yeah. And so, he's in and the family. She, she lived in Blackhawk, and so his family lived there, or whatever. So I had a huge crush on Todd Benatar, and I was like. <gasps> I can reverse stalk. If I'm there first, it's not stalking. So if I'm a cheerleader, I'm around them all the time, and this will be great. Like, I'll meet all the boys, and all the boys will like me, and it'll be so fun. And then every Friday after the games, like b- b- basketball is Tuesday, Thursday, but um, Fridays were football games. Yes. And after the games, I'd be, like, standing around with the rest of the cheerleaders, and I'd be like, where's the party? Where's the party? And they'd be like, oh, there's no party. And then on Monday, everybody would be talking about the party. Oh, like, man. I'm a cheerleader. I'm supposed to be popular now. Like, yeah. what? happening with my life so it was but nobody likes to know it all and nobody's like invite me to the party invite me to the party so yeah. that was that was like my that was my youth i love that that was your motivation for cheerleading yeah of course um short I, skirts yeah yeah hey it's Hitting warmer over there than yeah. it is in <laughs> yeah. the city but in, right? the, in the winter time we wore our little skirts we had to wear our little outfits to school on the day of the game right and we i still fit in my cheerleading outfits by the way i love to wear them any excuse to wear them i'm like ha ha, ha I still <laughs> but tiny little skirts and it was winter time it was cold and we just had to go and they'd say oh don't wear nylons make sure that your legs are bare? just bare and oh i was like why dude. are we doing this so it was yeah maybe because danville maybe because bit. danville or america danville's a little more like america than, well, and this right. was the early 90s so like yeah. You know, misogyny didn't exist, and girls walk. I mean, it was just like <laughs> invitation to objectify me, yeah. which uh, but that was what I was kind of looking for. I was like, I want these guys to objectify me, but right. they were just playing basketball. They weren't actually interested in the cheerleaders, right. so that was that was fun. Are you quick side note? Are you going to help us get Randy Wynn on the show? <laughs> He'll remember me. He'll remember me from high school. Absolutely, I have no uh, doubt. That'd in my be a mind. trip. My fiance would. Out. <laughs> she, she used to work for the Giants. Grew up a Giants fan, so, and she loves Randy Wynn. Yeah, he's uh, he looks pretty much exactly the same. He does. He looks like he's twenty two or something. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, yeah. I like him too, yeah. for the record. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was. I still so. 
one of I cheer I used to love cheerleading and they want they went to the Arco Arena twice. Our basketball team was really good. They like won the division one. That finals. was in Sacramento, right? Yeah, Arco yeah, okay. Arena. Okay. And so I got to cheer in Arco Arena, which was really exciting. But yeah. then one of my favorite, favorite stories is when I got to cheer in Arco Arena as an adult. And it was nineteen ninety seven and I won tickets to a Smashing Pumpkins concert. I won tickets to the front row at Arco Arena. No and I was so excited. I was freaking out. And I was so excited because I just won them walking around. I'd heard about the quad spies, quad spies. Anyways, so <laughs> I win the tickets and I'm losing my mind. And I get down to the front and garbage was opening, which I love. I love yes. Garbage. And it was Smashing Pumpkins. And I love the Smashing That's Pumpkins. That's a great bill. And so I know, right? So I'm down in the front row. And my now ex-husband, he's there, and I'm like, I'm so excited. And we had seen the Cow Palace show, and it was terrible. They had to end early because people were moshing, and it was terrible, and they were upset. So we bought tickets. Anyway, so we're there, and I'm on one side, and he's on the other. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this side yell smashing, and you're going to make this side yell pumpkins. He's yes. like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I was like, we're doing this. You get over there, and we're doing this. So I get up in front, and I'm like, the smashing pumpkins were in San Francisco, and it sucked. And we're going to bring them out and make them so happy. This side's going to yell smashing. That side's going to yell pumpkins. So Literally. it starts with the people in the front. Smashing pumpkins, smashing pumpkins. I made a sold-out Arco Arena. I'm not even fucking with yes. you. The entire Arco Arena is screaming smashing pumpkins, smashing pumpkins. Smashing pumpkins come out. Billy Corgan's like, we've never been brought on stage like this. <laughs> You're going to have the best show we've ever had. Hell and yeah. they just go. And I was like, I did that. I did that. You literally led the cheer. I did. In a huge auditorium. A, yeah, that's the sold awesome. out. I was so happy. I was like, this is my cheerleading. This is what my whole life was training <laughs> it for. Led up to that. That's fucking yeah, awesome. So that's like a childhood story. But that's from the 90s. I'm so old now that even the stories in the 90s are childhood stories. That's okay. So. We, we're old too. Um, <laughs> okay. And, and the, the, the last four years aged all of us. Um, but did you, so did you have siblings? Do you I, have siblings? I do. I have an older brother, but he's also. Um, extremely republican, republican okay. and very religious yeah uh, and my my upbringing was very very jesus centric okay so i was super 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 religious it kind of checked like all the boxes it sounds like yes. the white white rich republican and christian right yeah and like oh it was singing for the choir and the whole thing like okay just being really involved in church and yeah you know, I didn't drink or smoke or do anything fun till college, like yeah. all that kind of stuff. I was really clandestine. And no wonder no one wanted to invite me to the parties because there's no one wants to bring the stick in the mud. They're like, well, she doesn't have any fun. I'm like, I do. Let's sing songs to God. Come on. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. I would never, I would never do that at a party. I would probably be scared and hang in the back and be like, everyone's so cool. Yeah. Uh, but no, I grew up with Jesus. And it was weird because when I was little, I've always had a very vivid imagination. So, of course, Christianity was perfect for me. <laughs> but I wanted to have an invisible cat friend when I was like seven or eight, like mm -hmm. a four-foot-tall, fluffy, invisible cat friend. Mm -hmm. And my parents were like, no, you cannot have an invisible cat friend. But you can be best friends with a 33-year-old man who will uh, sit right. on your bed every night and you can <laughs> talk to him about boys. You can hold his hand. <laughs> and now they wonder why I have a beard fetish. But they're like, I loved, I loved Jesus so much. You can take long walks on the beach with our friend. Right. Yeah. It gives you piggybacks, the footsteps in the sand. He was carrying me the whole time. I'm like, Jesus, I want to kiss you on the face. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like you were into it oh, for so a while. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, well, I love feeling feelings and mm -hmm. Bible delving and feeling mm -hmm. one with the universe or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm, feeling, mm -hmm. is, feeling is good. But mm -hmm. it's mostly because I just – I've always been an outsider, and I have a very vivid imagination. Mm. So, you know, 
hence crushes on boys that will never Never. like me. And (laughs) going to them to be stalked. (laughs) Well, it's the same thing. I kind of had a crush on my mailman for a while, but I was like, he comes to me. Yeah. So it can't be stalking. (laughs) Like, it's not. He's there for other reasons. Coming to me. Yeah. So, no, I'm a terror. I was. I was a weird, like, I've always written poetry. I've always written in a, I have, like, my first journal from when I was seven still. And my very first entry is about boys. Like, it's seriously about being at my brother's baseball game and staring at Jordan is so cute. And I'm going to all my brother's baseball games and getting a suicide soda and sit there. Oh, suicide sodas. Right? And it's, like, my first entry when I was seven. So, So my brother's older incredibly successful wife kids right like really house looks like a pottery barn you know they open it up there's never any dirt or cat hair even though they right. have multiple cats it's like i don't get it no I, <sighs> not the like well the lifestyle but also the, the cleanliness that you're talking about i've experienced that and i'm like wow they pay for a house they're rich enough to have a house cleaner <laughs> that's yeah. all it is it's just but like five cleaner. minutes in the bay area you have a collection of dust come on that's true and I live downtown, so like Geary Street just throws dirt yes. in the air, like just black dust all over my world. Yes. But that's fine. I've learned to love it. Did your brother also leave the Bay Area like your parents? Yeah, or? he's up in Seattle. Okay. Up that area up in Washington. San Francisco so. light. Right. Yeah. But no fun. All suburban. Yeah, yeah. All just like singing yeah. songs to God on the guitar with the kids and going to church and okay wow hanging out with their rich friends drinking expensive wine you know yeah so that's the benjamins yeah the benjamins <laughs> okay they've got they've got all the benjamins it was just you and your brother yeah, as far as kids brother. okay mm-hmm. and what about um friends growing up in in danville did you have a crew um, or did like did you find other you said you called yourself an outcast i'm a did you have other outcast friends or kind of in high school but i've, I've pretty much been a lone wolf because mm-hmm. i went to christian school from kindergarten through like almost the end of seventh grade and Mm -hmm. the very first year in kindergarten it was awful um i had a teacher mrs mowers god i hope she's dead (laughs) and she seriously she was so mean and i remember being five four or five because i was young when i got into kindergarten and we all had to memorize bible verses when you memorized a bible verse everyone would get an ice cream cone little tiny ice cream cones but I memorized my Bible verse, and she gave me graham crackers, and she pulled oh. me aside, and she's like, fat little girls don't ever get anywhere in the world. You oh should really eat the graham crackers. God. Now, the irony is that graham crackers and the ice cream cone probably had the same amount of calories. Right. But what it did is it separated me from the class, and it did make me an outsider because the teacher basically fat shamed me in front of the whole class. Dude. So then I was like different, yeah. and I'm the one who did the Bible verse and performed it and did so great, and I didn't get the ice cream. What the hell? Right. So that was like... Mm the beginning of weirdness with Christianity of you have to be a certain way for God to love you. You have to be a certain way for people to love you. That's, and it has a lot to do with the way you look, which is weird because it's supposed to be about like your spirit or your soul. And then at the same time I was getting this very like external Kate Moss, be skinny. Although that's way before Kate Moss. That's like maybe the twiggy age. And they're like, no one listens to you unless you're skinny and pretty. And it wasn't like, Oh, you're smart and you can read and no one else can read. And that made me different, too, is I could, like, read when I was three or whatever. And so when I was in kindergarten, I was reading Laura Ingalls Wilder, and everyone else was learning to read. And so they'd put me in a corner with my books, and everyone else would do stuff as a group. So I think that my outsiderness kind of started then. And it was the same kids in the class from kindergarten through, like, seventh grade. So I was known as, like, the fat, weird dork throughout Mm. that whole time. And then teachers just... I mean, from year to year, it was just part of that school. And yeah. it was pretty, it was 
sucked, but well, also fuck any group that says you can't have ice cream. <laughs> in general, like I know, yeah. I mean, and also graham crackers are not a consolation prize for ice cream. I love graham crackers, not a consolation prize for right. ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Anything else about your Danville growing up oh, that you God. want to talk well, about? I, mean, I can talk about anything. It was awful. So, well, that was the beginning of when I was in kindergarten and all that stuff. I ended up having an eating disorder for okay. years. Okay. And I remember being like in third grade vacation Bible school, and I remember sitting in the chair and wearing shorts and putting my toes, being on my toes, because I felt like when my legs were down, they spread out and they looked so fat. Okay. And so I was like in third grade, like up on my toes, like trying to make my thighs look skinnier, Shit. which is such a weird thing for a third grader to be thinking no, about. Right. Right. Like, but I'm thinking about all the people who made you feel that way right? and the society. Yeah. Yeah. So constant. And that was just, but I think Sad. that's just the, but that's the thing now is that it made me tougher, I guess. And I feel Badly for snowflakes now that don't get bullied because did it make me a better person? Like right. maybe yeah. or not. I don't know. Yeah, it built defenses. It's like, a, you know, right? You, you learn how to react and defend yourself. Right. You, you, uh, hopefully. Well, we no, have. I learned how to put on a mask and wear frosting because people uh, like okay. cake, but they like it better with frosting. <laughs> and just a lot of a, a lot of vomiting because yeah. it's a rich girl's disease. Like I can't afford to be bulimic anymore because – I'm on food stamps. But like <laughs> I didn't realize at the time that I was it was really good for the economy because I was like four <laughs> times the consumer because I was right. consuming so much food and then just not eating it. Yeah. And I mean years, like 13 years I struggled with that. But wow. from early on, like right. and it was this is the craziest thing. The thing that sparked it is I don't remember if you, if you remember different strokes. Oh yeah. So the older sister Dana Plato, yeah. there was one episode where she had bulimia mm -hmm. and it was her birthday and there was a cake and she ate the whole cake and then she threw up and I watched that and I was like, oh, you can do that? Yeah. That's such a good idea. Okay. And I knew that, I mean, I'm sure that they meant it to be like, don't do this. And I was like, what a fucking good idea. <laughs> you can eat a whole cake? Yeah. <laughs> so a lot uh, of my youth was around, was all that. Jesus, eating disorders, looking right, being perfect, mm -hmm. trying to be this image of what superficiality sounds mm -hmm. like a lot of that. Um, and also you, so you sounds like you grew up in the, mostly in the eighties, late seventies, yeah. eighties, yeah. early nineties. Yeah. Yeah. I think we might be the same age. Yeah. Born um, in 74. Oh, 73. Okay. We are we the go. same age. Hey. Um, okay. Let's, let's talk about leaving Danville. Okay. What was that like? Was it exciting? Did oh, you have a yeah. specific destinations in mind? Yeah. So I, um, I applied to all the you know schools in high school. So this is funny. Ninety eight percent of my graduating high school class went to college. Wow, which is kind of insane. That, yeah, that's, I'm not surprised. It was going back to the other things we were talking about. Yeah. Everyone did. So I had a lot of choices, and um, I had gotten to a lot of UC schools. And mm -hmm. my parents were like, "Go to Berkeley. You'll be so close." And I was like, "I'm getting the fuck out of Dodge. Yes. I want to be as far away from this." as possible they're like but you could come home on the weekends and won't that i was like no yeah so um i went to uc san diego because i fell in love with it it's just it's so beautiful and mm -hmm. the weather's perfect and mm -hmm. i don't know i just i love the beach i, I don't know and mm -hmm. it's a great school and they had a great mm -hmm. theater program so i went i went to uc san diego and then i did some acid for the first time 
and I saw God, and he like fist bumped me, and he was before fist. He probably high fived me, but he was like, "We're fine." Oh, good. He was like, "You don't don't worry. All that stuff, like it's like he's like you and me, we're cool. Mm-hmm. All that other stuff, just don't worry about it, and just you be yourself. It's cool." And mm. I was like, "Oh, thanks, God. This is great." And so I started, <laughs> yeah. So I I started dropping a lot of acid, like in college I did a stupid amount of acid. Okay. But I still got really great grades, like, and. One of the things that I – it's weird about just who I am. The, the more – the busier I am, the better I do. Okay. And so one, one – it was a quarter school, and this one semester I took 36 units, Whoa. which was like nine classes or something, yeah. and I got a 4.0. Okay. And I was like, I could do anything. And, and you're doing, tripping and the I, whole time. The whole <laughs> time. I was just wow. like on acid. And studying, but I love to read, and I love learning, and like I love college. And yeah. I just – I love school because – it's the only place where you they tell you what they want, and then when you do it, they tell you you did well. Hmm. And then you have feelings of like, ah, because then I learned – in the real world, nobody ever tells you when you do well. Then right. this, the haters come in. The only way you know you're doing well is when everybody's like, you suck. Right. And it's right. like, wait a minute. I thought that you're supposed to tell me I'm doing well. Yeah. <laughs> and why didn't I follow the rubric? <laughs> so I, I love I love school. And especially going – you went straight, no no years in between, nope. just straight out of high school. Straight Not out. a lot of people I'm finding – who now who did that will be like I love school. There a lot of people are like oh I wish I took some time off or I only learned loved loved learn learned to love learning later in life. Sure, but you liked it. Oh, I love it. Okay, yeah. Was I it mean, because you were tripping the whole time? Maybe. <laughs> well, and I didn't. I mean, I didn't do that much acid in graduate school, but I did smoke a lot of pot. So right, because it's easier to understand poetry when you're high. Yeah. Like if you read someone's poem and you're sober and you're like, I just don't know what they're saying, and then you smoke a little doobie, it's like, oh, I totally get it. Yeah. I get it. So it's write drunk, edit sober, read high. Yes. Okay, yeah, got it. Exactly. <laughs> adding yeah. read high to the end. Of Absolutely. That. Yeah. And God, I love. I'm, I don't want to sound like this fucking dilettante, but I love. I love reading. Yeah. I. I just. It's like one of my favorite things to do. That's okay. Yes. I. Yes. That's a good thing. Um. Uh. So you had mentioned. I, I want to talk about your your grad school and going to SF State, but I think before we talk about that. Because you grew up in the Bay Area. Yeah. Do you remember your first time to come to San Francisco? Do you remember your early impressions of the city? This would have been probably in the late 70s, 80s. Yeah. So I remember going in on the BART with my dad. He was taking me to work with him. And I was probably nine. But I know we'd been in the city earlier than that. Well, there's two stories. Okay, here's the one that I remember of us driving in. And it's really weird. Um, My grandmother's cousin was a nun here in San Francisco. Okay. And she died, and they made us all go to her wake, and it okay. was weird. And I was like six or seven, and it was hot in the car. And I remember going, I remember going over what's now like the Geary to go down Fillmore, and then there, we went like up another thing, and mm-hmm. like, so we we're down on like the deep the by Clement in the Richmond. Yeah, and that there must have been a there was a nunnery. I mean, I don't remember where, but I remember that. I remember being in the city and. It, being like, okay, this is weird because there's no buildings at this part of the city. Right. And then there was a nunnery, and there were all these nuns, and there was a dead nun, and it was gross, <laughs> and they wanted me to kiss her, and I was like, I don't oh, even know this lady. Man. And then one nun, she like kneeled down, and she's like, are you going to be a good little nun when you grow up? And I was like, no! Oh, my God. And now I sort of regret that decision because then I would have had like 
God take care of me, or I could have lived for free or something in the city and not have to deal with men. It'd just be so much easier to just love Jesus. (laughs) But I remember that as a child. But then also going in to my dad's work, which was downtown with all the big buildings. Mm -hmm. And mostly what I remember, the questionably housed and seeing people sitting on the street with dogs and signs and asking my dad, like, I have changed. And he'd say, I've seen this guy for 10 years. Mm. And he'd keep walking. And Mm -hmm. I'd be like, but they, they're, he's like, if you're going to do something, buy him dog food. And I was like, Mm. okay. But so that's what I remember was feeling feelings for people that were clearly indigent in some way. Right. And my dad being like, just step over and don't worry about it. They've Mm. been here forever. This is their choice. And I was like, oh, that, uh, okay. Yeah, that callousness that's pervasive, unfortunately. But but it's the Vietnam. It was, I mean, it's, and you'd think that that particular age group would have a heart because most of the people on the street were from Vietnam and Vietnam vets and they'd serve the country. And everyone wants you to serve the country, but then they don't want to take care of you after. And then that whole Reagan thing where he dumped out all the mental institutions and just threw them all in the street in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And then our questionably housed population just exploded and nothing. We didn't. And so my dad came in every day. He drove the van pool and sometimes we'd drive in with him in the van pool and that Mm -hmm. was super cool. Mm Um, what about fun trips? So not funerals and not your dad's work. Did you do fun stuff in the city? Um, no, that was mostly Oakland. So okay, we can get, talk about Oakland. Yeah, we'd get char siu bao yes. from Chinatown in oh, Oakland. Yeah. God, and yeah, we that had sounds a, really good right now. <laughs> well, and we'd get we'd get like six steamed and six baked. Yeah, and in the in the on the way home, it'd be like, okay, everyone gets three of them. You can save them for later, or you can eat yours now. And then someone would always eat an extra one, and it was always like, I only got two. But we went to <laughs> went to Fairyland a lot as a child, yeah, and did the whole key, the little yellow key in the box, and like sitting in front and listening to the stories and the all that stuff, and the little petting zoo. I remember that from being little. Nice. Um, and the Oakland Zoo, we did that way more than the same because my parents probably think we we're afraid to bring us into the city because they Mm. especially with my dad working on fifth he thought it was just dirty and gross and it's so funny that like i live so close to there right and i'm like sixth street i'm not afraid like whatever but um yeah so i have more memories of oakland more fun more fun fun time but like i mean danville was just we lived on a cul-de-sac and we played kickball until the sun went down you know yeah and um it was a lot of just church trips but that was all out to the that was all to like the delta and stuff and okay and i we did trips to um, the redwoods like in santa cruz a lot when i was a kid mm-hmm. spent a lot of time in the redwoods so that was mm-hmm. nature camping like or uh summer christian trips. summer camps yeah okay at yeah camp yeah six, okay. christian summer camp from fourth grade all the way through high school like yeah praying to jesus out in the woods all that kind of fun stuff right yeah a lot of singing songs to god uh as opposed to fist bumping or high fiving, right, yeah, in a, in yeah. A but although being out in the, I mean, it is religion is almost a hallucinatory thing oh, because sure. you do, you're praying to some hallucination. I mean, in your mind, you have an image, mm-hmm. and is that not a hallucination mm-hmm. of something that I don't know pictorially has been passed down? Yeah, I and mean, I think I think a lot about God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, awesome. Or construct of God or whatever. Right. Well, you you met him in a in a trip. I so. met him. Yeah. Yes. You know, in, a, you, in a large disco ball, like inside yeah. a disco. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Yay, God. So I guess let's go back to Lee. Um, so you graduated from UC San Diego. Graduated from UC San Diego. And in what then? 1996. Okay. And then I moved back 
up here to Davis, and I got a teaching credential. Oh, cool. So I lived with my, my now ex-husband. He went to veterinary school at Davis. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know what to do after college because I had a theater degree. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Right. So I got a teaching credential. And I taught in Woodland for a couple of years. I taught at group homes. I did special ed. Um, and then – Did you like it? Did you like teaching? I – you know – I loved special ed. Regular education was really difficult even yeah. back then. Yeah. A lot of entitled kids and parents, and it was difficult. But mm -hmm. special ed's amazing mm -hmm. because a lot of times the parents weren't even in the picture. So right. you just had a relationship with the kid, and you could – and I mean, back then they called it severely emotionally disturbed. But now they took the S off because they found it stigmatizing. Mm. So it's just emotionally disturbed mm. students. But I really enjoyed that because I felt like I was making a difference, and I was young, and I didn't know what I was doing with my life. But I taught for four years – and then I, I wanted to get into graduate school, and I realized I, I can't be a teacher and get into theater graduate school. I need to do theater. So I quit my teaching job, and I started a theater company. Up in? Down in San Diego. Down in San so Diego. So we were up in Davis, and I did a bunch of a theater with uh, Woodland Opera House and a lot of community theater and worked with them for a while. And then my, my ex-husband got a job as a veterinarian in San Diego, so we moved down there. And that's when I became like a bourgeois housewife. Oh. And we bought a house, and we had a Lexus, and we had a wow. BMW, and we had a – what other car did we have? We also had a Ford Explorer. We had you know, two dogs and two cats and a spa overlooking the canyon. Two people, three cars. Right, two people, three cars. Yeah, yeah and, okay. Uh, two people – Four bedrooms, and we thought our yeah. house was small. Right. And I was like, oh, we're just we downsized from our other house in Vista. What would he do? But um, <laughs> so, yeah, we lived. I had this ex-husband thing, and I had a theater company. And then my ex, my husband's, my ex-husband's, my ex-mother-in-law, she was like, why don't you get a real job? So I quit my theater job. And because I had been applying to graduate school, and I wasn't getting in. I wanted mm. to go to UC San Diego. And they finally, Les Waters was the guy who let people in. He's the cousin of Roger Waters anyways oh. and he said you're never gonna get in here you have to go away he was like go to Pennsylvania and you hmm. come back go somewhere else but he's like you went here for undergrad we just right we want we want our program we only accept two a year it's, it's not you yeah. and I was like oh but everything <laughs> works out for a reason so it's fine but I so I quit my theater company thing and I started working for Ethan Allen and oh as a visual merchandiser. Insurance. What do they do? I'm, they sell furniture. The furniture, right. <laughs> Insurance, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and I, so I was a visual merchandiser, so I was basically like a high-paid set designer because I had this big store, and I was like, I'm a set designer. This Somewhat is so creative. Fun. Yeah, super creative, yeah. but also cog in a corporate wheel of consumerism. Right. And then I stopped taking birth control because I thought I wanted to get pregnant with my husband, and I realized that birth control is a systematic calling of critical thought from women's brains because I wrote a novel in six weeks. Okay. Like, I got off birth control, and I wrote a you novel in six weeks. You gave birth to a novel. Exactly. Fuck and I was yeah. like, what happened? And I started being really creative again. Fiction and I was like, or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, wrote a, I wrote a novel. And, um, and then I was like, I think I want to go to graduate school for writing. Yeah. And then I quit my job, left my husband, and got a DUI like in the same month yes. in 2007. And then I won a free ticket to Burning Man to be a chef. And then at <laughs> Burning Man, they were like, they were like, you should move to San Francisco. And I realized there's really no reason for me to be in San Diego. I can't drive anymore. I, I can't substitute teach. I can't get to any of my work, any things. Right. I don't know what to do. So I just move to San Francisco. And that that <laughs> so so now looking for a grad school is a little different because you're looking for a writing program well, versus theater, right? Right, exactly. So 
into the, after I wrote that novel, I was like, ooh, I need to go to graduate school for writing. And I met some girl outside of a bar, and she was like, you should go to San Francisco State. They've got a great program. Look into it. And then I looked at home. I was like, oh, my God, they do. Yeah. So I moved to San Francisco. What year was that? 2007. Okay. And then I applied during that year for 2008, and I got in. I couldn't believe it. Nice. So I got in for fiction, and I did the two-year program in fiction. And then I was like, I'm not done with this. I love writing. I'm going to get my MFA in poetry. So I applied to continue on and get my MFA in poetry. Nice. And I was doing all these open mics, and I was doing all these things. And I in, the ta- in the city? Oh, in San Francisco, everywhere. Name drop some places that well, you Well, the old Amnesia. I yeah. used to do tons of poetry readings at Amnesia. I got nice. the opportunity to work with, so, I mean, so many forum from C- CCSF. Their um, publication is so beautiful. And oh, they yeah. do all of these shows. I've written for them. Aren't they amazing? I love forum. And they 15 put the, years ago They or put the pictures next to the poems. And nice. I love, I love forum so much. And yeah. they were doing shows. And um, so I got to read with them, and through the lit, the lit crawl, lit smash, all that lit stuff, quake. the quake, lit quake, and I got to read for that a bunch, and work with CCSF and their poetry center, blah 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 blah. Nice. But then, in 2011, I was still in poetry school, and I was like, "There's not enough stage time here." Mm. And so I realized at the open mic I was doing at Amnesia, there were comedians, hmm. and I I knew some of them from here from doing radio at mm. Mutiny Radio, and they were like, you know, five punchlines is three minutes. Why don't you try it? Like, mm. you do poetry. Like, why not just do this instead? And I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to do it. So I wrote five punchlines, and it was three minutes, and I went up at Amnesia, and that was July 17th, 2011. Was it a different – were you in a different mindset? Like, was how, how different was reciting poetry versus doing comedy? They're, they're exactly the same thing. Okay. Um, they're crafting language to elicit, elicit an, a remo- an emotional response. response. Yeah. So – Poetry is just, you know, like the poem about my third abortion is boring, but the joke about my third abortion is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it's, so it depends. And with yeah. poetry, oftentimes, even at amnesia, I'd be like, if I take my shirt off, will you listen to my poem? And people will be like, <laughs> yes. And so I take my shirt off and in my bra, just like recite poetry. Nice. So people thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty easy transition. And yeah. there's so much more stage time in comedy. Did you make kids laugh or like your family laugh when you were a kid? Or was this was this like spontaneous comedy had entered your life? Well, I mean, I've always like I've always been the outsider and I've always had to deal with when you deal with trauma through humor, at least mm-hmm. I did, or by being the center of attention. Mm-hmm. Cheerleading was great cuz I people were looking at me and I mm-hmm. liked that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I I mean I tried to tell stories as a child, but usually I was sort of shamed. Like, sh- children sh- should be seen and not heard. Right. Or, you know. Shut like, up, kid. Have a graham cracker. Right. I yeah. wanted to tell jokes and stories and be on stage. I was a, I, I was a ballerina for 23 years. And okay. I was classically trained in piano for 13 years. So I performed in more traditional, classical right. ways. Right, right, um, right. But <laughs> give me a microphone and have people laugh. Because I'd rather laugh at myself before anyone else could laugh at me. Okay, so fair like enough. So that's kind of the way that that happens. So your story about getting started in comedy, though, you mentioned that you had you knew people from can yeah. we go Can we go back a little bit? Sure. Um, um, and talk about what is this place and right, this thing so, that we're doing right um, now. I joined, the, when it was Pyrocat, I joined in 2008, and I was on a show with Diamond Dave Whitaker, who did Common Thread. Mm-hmm. And I'd read short stories. Mm-hmm. And then after a couple of months, it was so disorganized. And I was like, hey, man, you know, I could stage manage your show for you and he's like oh that'll be great ah, I think that'll be, that'll be incredible <laughs> because I'd run boards because I'd done theater for so long and right. I'd stage managed so many shows blah 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 
So I started stage managing a show, and I was like, oh, my God, I love this. I love radio. I love microphones. And then I got my own show, and I was doing lots of things here and performing and a lot of poetry and spoken word, blah, blah, blah. And then in 2011, we had to kick out the guy who was running the place because he fled the country and he'd embezzled some money. Mm. And then the FCC had come down on us because we had an illegal terrestrial tower, so we Mm. were broadcasting illegally. Mm -hmm. But we thought that under the FCC guidelines of 1942 that if you're at a time of war, you can have a shortwave tower. But I mean, like, America's always at war, so we're good. But we were in operations and skirmishes, so once he said mission Uh, accomplished, the Anthony Bourdain thing happened, and he came here, and then, like, we got a lot of press. And then the FCC came after us and tried to fine us $10,000. So what happened yeah. was we changed to Mutiny Radio because we're like, I don't know what Pirate Cat was. There's no fine. Yeah, none of us are that. Who are yeah. they? <laughs> yeah. So in 2011, Pirate Cat became Mutiny, okay. and it was run by, like, a board of people. Okay. And then in 2013, they were all like, fuck this shit. We're out. Oh. And I said, no, no, no. This is, I've started comedy now. Without this place, doing my open mics, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I need this place. Yeah. And they're like, well, good luck. So I wrote – I wrote a business plan and okay. I brought it to the group and I was like, I'll take it over. And they hmm. were like, okay. Hmm. So in 2013. You by yourself? By myself, yeah. Okay. So there were five people running it. And then in 2013, I was like, I'll just run it. And now it's 2021 and it still exists. Awesome. So that's that. Can we talk quickly about the Bourdain thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just watched uh, the documentary that's coming out oh. next month, Roadrunner. Um so for me, this is timely. Um, and I actually forgot until you just mentioned it that he came to the cafe, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, he had a bacon maple latte. And he, you know, talked into not that particular microphone. We have new microphones now. But he sat in a chair like that right mm-hmm, there and mm-hmm. um, was interviewed. And then it was on the TV and it was crazy. And Was um, it cool? Were you here for that? No, I wasn't invited. Oh, okay. I wasn't part of the cool group. But, oh, um, got it. Okay, okay, okay. I was here when jo- um, George, um, not um, – Parliament, P-Funk, George, oh, Clinton. George Clinton was here. Came I was on. here for that. I awesome. gave him some pop brownies. He ate. Fuck yes. And that was awesome. I was like, I gave him pop brownies. And the, one of the people was like, are you sure he's performing tonight? And I was like, "This George Clinton That's, smokes crack. Like, yeah. these two pop brownies are going to yeah. do nothing to this man. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, so Anthony Bourdain was here. And, uh, I mean, it's exciting. There's, a lot of people have been through this building. I got to interview um, Paul Mooney once on the phone. Nice. So that was R. exciting. And, yeah, I mean, everybody. Wow. And Anthony Bourdain, R.I.P. Super like sad. Yes, the <sighs> documentary is um, is really good. Uh, watch it. I watch it. It's a lot, you know. It's like biographical, so it wasn't rough for an hour and twenty minutes, and then it goes into the last two years of his life, and oh. it gets it's waterworks. Oh, yeah. I'll watch it. I love um, that guy. I love all his books. He was an incredible writer. Totally. But the the good thing about the documentary, I don't want to take us too far down that road, but is that it has. The people from his life are in it. Wow. So, right. Wife, um, daughter, so, so you get the, oh. not the, she's in it, but not like uh, in the, like, it's footage. Sure. She's not interviewed, but Octavia and all that stuff. Um, Way off on a no, tangent now. Good. So, yeah. So now, like, I, we made it through the pandemic. I was doing outdoor shows and we still are. Nice. I love parklets. I've yeah. got a bunch of weekly shows and um, I've had five. Comedy festivals here. The last one was in 2020, right before the pandemic, like a week before the shutdown. Awesome. And so I'm gonna, I'm excited. I can bring it back in October, mm-hmm. uh, the 10th or the 16th. But this time I'm going to do it at all the new venues I have because I gained so many outdoor venues through the pandemic. And 
I'm really excited. Do you want to tell folks where those are? Yeah. Uh, every Wednesday at 7.30, we do a show with Asiento, which is a half a block from here. Mm-hmm. And Debbie of Asiento is amazing, another small business owner that made it through COVID. Awesome. And then Saturdays at 2 o'clock at Atlas, which is a block from mm-hmm. us in the other direction. Mm-hmm. And same thing. Um, they made it through. Yes. And it's incredible. So and happy. They have amazing sandwiches. And then the bar at Dolores, which is on 29th and Dolores. I do shows with them on Thursdays and the last Sunday of the month. Awesome. And um, yeah, and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna hopefully be working with El Rio, and then I just talked to the owner of OMG because he just opened Rakesh, and he was like, I want to be in the festival, and I'm like, yes, 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 yes. of course, oh my god, that'll be so great. Awesome. So they're they're back open, which is exciting. And the festival you said is is in October. It's gonna be October 10th through 16th, I believe, this year. Okay. Yeah. I I'm might just be getting married it. that week, but Ooh, I'll do my best. Thank you. I'll do my best to come to see you. Yeah. I got I got my first STD from my first marriage. Okay. Yeah, sexually transmitted debt. That's what you get. That's what you get when you get married. Good luck. It's fun. Or maybe the kids these days are progressive. They call them STIs. Oh. So maybe it's more sexually transmitted income. Income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. So good this will be my third and my and my fiance's first. So she's like, third time's a charm. Yeah. I hope. I hope. Congratulations. Um, thank you. We have like three minutes and then I have to start another show. Okay, well then perfect. Joke workshops up next. So that's the other thing we do at the station is on Mondays at 6 o'clock, uh, there's joke workshop where I run it like a graduate school poetry thing except mm-hmm. that it's jokes so mm-hmm. comedians do four minutes and then they get four minutes of commentary from nice. their peers and then it's an open mic and oh. then we also do fridays at six o'clock and it's a contest where comedians do four minutes and i invite audience to be judges yes. and then they judge the comedians and their five favorites all get booked shows with like paid wow. food and drink and How money cool. and the whole deal so how cool. That's what we here for the community, I and it's super fun. I need to tell my fiance, she, she's between jobs, and <gasps> she wants to, she's like always wanted to do comedy. I'm going to tell her to come here. I'm this her right here. Tell her to come to Mutiny Radio. Okay, a couple of minutes. So what I want to end on is what do you think of San Francisco? I mean, we're on literally the cusp. Tomorrow is Tomorrow. when California opens. Yeah. What are your kind of hopes and visions for, for what San Francisco can be moving forward? Oh, my gosh. I hope that... The San Francisco UBI that's funding a bunch of artists can continue and expand and be able to fund more artists so that we can value art as a a monetary resource instead Mm -hmm. of putting all of our money into tech and realize that that art is important Mm -hmm. and that artists, that is a job Mm -hmm. and that our work does have value and as people we have value and to to give us the opportunity to create that's i'm sorry we have to create i'm sorry i can't be in insurance i have to create right but we should respect artists and and value their gifts monetarily and if i could see that going forward in san francisco i'd be so happy bands everybody i remember ah i love all the bands i love floating goat i love all the metal bands oh i'm so excited we're gonna get back like i get to see metal again yes like yes (laughs) yes so but all of the, the the bands and the visual artists and the comedians and the I mean, even karaoke goddesses, mm-hmm. just everyone to be able to express themselves again. I hope that that can come back. And um, But I'm going to yeah. interject real fast. Mm-hmm. It's for you. It's not a hope because you're doing the work. <laughs> you're <laughs> helping bring it back if I...
Yes, yes, you're listening to House of Pride Radio. Take us to the disco. Take everyone and your mother. I can't take it anymore. I need to dance. Uh, we're listening to the Club Jumpers remix of Trey's Get Me to the Disco. And I think we have um, uh, one half of the famous duel with us on Pride Radio. Dan, can you hear us? Uh, yes, I can. <laughs> Welcome. How are you today? I'm doing great. I mean, I, I guess like everybody else, right, just being in quarantine, I guess this is a great song that Treg just uh, put out. I mean, it works perfectly what's going on right now. Yes, it does. Yeah, very topical, I would say. Uh, when you guys got the assignment, what what did you, uh, what ingredients did you think that you needed to, to put into, like, this kind of a mix? Well, you know, I was, you know, I would talk to the artist and I always ask him, you know, ask them who's going to be in the package, you know, different remixers. So that way I know like each sound that's going to, you know, incorporate mm -hmm. a different mix. So we always want to take ours, of course, to a different direction. So, and that's what we did. I mean, we kind of made it more, more pop dance or uh, top 40 radio. Yeah, af absolutely. has a, a totally different flavor than the other mixes, but that's what you want on an EP. No, exactly. You want a variety all the time because, like I said, not everybody likes the same thing. So, and this is a great package. I mean, Treg really, uh, really hand-selected. You know, some great people on this package. I mean, I really like all the mixes on this on this uh, single. Absolutely. Uh, actually, we're going to be talking to him right after uh, our conversation. Um, maybe we'll highlight uh, go um, to one of the di digital platforms and highlight some of the other mixes. But, uh, but um, Club Jumpers. Wow, you guys. Yeah, solid, solid jam. Um, yeah, the production level is just uh, great. Um, he's uh, number one last week on our Pride Top 10, which is coming up a little bit later with DJ Sean Perry. Will he be number one again? We're going to have to just wait and find out. Um, so Club Jumpers, you guys, uh, it's an interesting story because you're it's, a, it's like um, a family affair. <laughs> Can you elaborate? Yes, I mean, yeah, Club Jumpers is actually, uh, my other half is uh, my, my younger brother, actually, Sam Michaels. Uh, he's one of the main producers uh, in Club Jumpers, you know, besides me. And then we have another friend of ours that actually has been working with us for 15 years now. So I guess we can call him a brother also. Mm -hmm. uh, we call him George Eyes. And, it, and it's been an adventure. It's been a journey. I mean, we've been doing this since 1993, believe it or not. So yeah, we've worked with so many, we work, yeah, we work with so many great people, you know what I mean? So many great people on the way and it's been great. It's been great. You know, now, you know, like I say to a lot of people, now I'm just doing it for just for fun. Yeah. What was your, do you remember your first uh, assignment when you realized, wow, we're, we're in the mix here? My first big record that we did with Club Jumpers was actually when Enrique Iglesias crossed over to the English market with Rhythm Divine. Oh, nice. Yeah, I remember that. Like, he started showing up on the Hot 100 chart. And then from there, you know, we got hired to do Forgot About Trey, Eminem, and the rest was history. Awesome. Is there uh, any project in particular that stands out as one of your favorites? I mean, there's so many favorites. I mean, I mean, like I said, I've worked with so many great uh, artists, you know, from majors to the independents. I mean, I think I would say they all stand out to me because they're all great people and all these artists that I work with, they become actually my actual, they become my family friends, I guess if you can say. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I could totally see you on um, a, a yacht with Pitbull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually, you know what, that was actually our, uh, 
last single that we just did before uh, COVID struck, you know, this year. So, and we actually did a great song, what was called Suda, which is sweat in English. Mm-hmm. And that one went double platinum for us this year. So we're kind of excited for that. Uh, I've always wanted to work with Pitbull. I always knew the guy. I know the guy that actually started managing him and, and rise him to fame. I worked with him in radio back in the 90s. And uh, so you know how it is. I guess it all comes together. You know, somebody knows somebody. Another person knows that one. And another one knows another one. So it all just comes together. And they're like, hey, you know Dan Matthews, right? Oh, yeah, of course I know Dan Matthews. Well, how would you like to? Well, of course, yeah. You know, let's send them the stems and see what they can do. And, you know, me and my brother, we did match it. And, you know, and it, it all comes down to the fans, too. You know what I mean? It's all with the fans, your audience that we always have to thank because those are the people that actually make you who you are today. Absolutely. Uh, so when you guys are um, constructing, producing a, a remix, so what what parts do you do you have responsibility for? Like how do you share up the, the responsibilities? Well, you know, Sam Michaels, like I said, my brother, he's more of the production side. I mean, he's really – I think because he's my brother, but yeah, he's he's a great producer. So I mean, we we both sit down, and he's the one that actually I tell him, hey, well, what do you think of this baseline? What do you think of this? And what do you think of that? And and I'll give him my ideas, and then he'll put down his ideas, and then the song we start the song, and we're halfway done, and then he'll be like, let me take it home. So then he comes back with a session and it's all different again. I'm like, hey, well, my ideas, you took everything out that I did, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. so, so there I am back again telling him, okay, let's move that. Let's take off 16 bars off of there. Let's take off. Let's add four more bars here. Okay, let's bring down the vocals here. Let's add these vocals here. Let's do this here. Okay, let me do this here. And then he says, wow, why didn't I think about that? And I said, because we're both club jumpers, remember, it's a team. <laughs> yeah, check. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's funny. Um, where's your? Where did you guys grow up? We're actually born and raised in Orange, California, oh, Southern right. California, yeah. and we moved to Texas back in our late teens. And uh, and then I moved to San Antonio, and I've been here for twenty years in San Antonio now. Oh, San Antonio, I. I really want to check out that city is that the one with the the river walk it is it's with the river walk the alamo i mean it's, it's it's a great city not just saying that because i've been here for 20 years but you know being from california it is a, it's, it's a really nice city it actually looks like california now everybody from california lives here now well a lot of people are moving out they can't take it exactly. anymore the fires <laughs> yeah and the you know the pandemic it's just like got to get out of the city <laughs> i can well not not only the ba- not only the city, there, I mean, there are people leaving because it's half closed down, but the fires have ravaged the northern part of uh, California. I think people are moving out. Can't take it. I just saw something on the news. Anyway. Yeah, it's, it's been a crazy year, yeah. <laughs> crazy year, yes. How how are you doing during this pandemic? Are you, uh, are you staying busy? Well, you know, actually, you know, we've been blessed. We've been, you know, semi-busy, you know, most and a lot of people would be busy. So, you know, I actually actually do radio also. As you know, I run a station also in Sacramento. Yes, and, 105.9. Uh, so yeah, we're the 105.9.9. Yeah, I'm the operations manager and the programmer there. So I have a lot of duties there. And you know how that is. You work for radio yourself. I'm, you know, so. Yes. And But anyways, yeah, I mean, tasks. you know, the, we're still getting production. I mean, believe it or not. And that's, you know, Trey came to us, you know, with this great song, you know, 
get me to the disco and you know he he had brought it to me he's like what do you think of this idea and i said Craig, this is a great idea i mean this is something that would really work that's actually happening now you know with this COVID 19 and you know people just getting frustrated but i guess you know with the COVID 19 i think that it was a good thing but it's like i've actually taken a break from all this stuff you know i, mean, I actually get to sleep more get to do more things that i wanted to do because before yes. COVID, remember, we didn't have a life. We were always flying out of town. We were always in the studio. It's like if I slept, I only slept like probably three three to two hours a day. And we were just on the go all the time. So I guess, you know, with COVID-19, it's actually brought me back to reality also as a, as a human being and an individual. You yeah. know what I mean? So I, I see that. It's like a little COVID vacation <laughs> before things yeah, like it, wind back it's up. Been, yeah, it's been a long vacation, though, right? <laughs> a a little, long, yeah, long. <laughs> no, we've over welcomed the, the vacation stay. Time to get active again. Um, now, do you do you come from a radio background? Is it, did you go to a broadcasting school? Like, wh- how did you get into uh, radio? Actually, yes, I actually started on radio when I was 15 years old. That was uh, the first time I started in a community uh, college uh, in LA. And when I moved to El Paso, I was actually working for the University of uh, UT, UTEP. And uh, I got my uh, college degree in broadcasting because back then, remember, you had to have an FCC license to talk on the radio. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and nowadays, of course, you don't need that as long as you have a good voice and you know what you're saying on the radio. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, I did take some broadcasting classes for that. I mean, I think it was like – I think it was like a two-month class or something like that, you know. So, I mean, I don't remember. It was way back in those days. Yeah, so you've been working in radio really since the beginning. Do you and then how, when did um, remixing and producing come about? Well, you know, I was a DJ first. You know, I mean, I of course, you know, we're all DJs. You know, I, yeah. I was first a DJ when I was uh, 14 years old. I started, you know, DJing and uh, got into radio at, at 15. As, and then I got into the major radio uh, when I was 17. And um, one of my friends, he actually took me to a studio, and I was blown away because I was like oh my gosh, this is how music is created. The stuff that I'm playing on the radio, this is, you know, I saw like mm-hmm. the tracks individually coming out of, you know, a mixing board. Remember back in the day, the Mackies, you know, track one, I saw the kick coming out through there. And track two, I saw the bass. Track three, the hi-hat. And I was blown away. And I said, when I went back home, I told my brother Sam, hey, Sam, I need to take you to the studio because this is something that we got to do. And And now here we are. <laughs> And now here we are, 30 years later, right? <laughs> yeah, with the uh, amazing repertoire of uh, jams that you guys have produced for folks, for talented folks, and uh, the record stands for itself. Um, and then we're going to go out with the uh, uh, Melanie. Uh, how do you pronounce her name? Featuring Pitbull Suda, your mix. It's, it's Melanie Furman uh, featuring Pitbull yes. Suda, Club Jumpers remix. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll go out with that. Um, Wow, so you guys are like rocking it out in El Paso. I've got to like come on down to that city at some point and uh, say hello. I've, or if it's, it's on my list of places to check out for sure. On my way to Houston's Eagle to say hi to Mark and JD. I think they're. I'm not sure if they're on this project with you. No, I don't think so. But have you? You guys probably have like crossed paths. Work. Oh yes, I know Mark very well. Yes, I know Dirty Disco. I know all those guys out there. So yeah, and I'm in San Antonio, by the way, not El Paso. Anymore. Oh, so San sorry. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, San Antonio. That's quite yeah, a distance, so right? Because El Paso's all the way on the corner. Uh, yeah, El Paso's like about a 15-hour drive from San Antonio. Oh, forget it about it. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> San Antonio's on my list, not El Paso. 
what I was thinking. <laughs> oh, such a big state. Um, everything's big in Texas. Everything's big in Texas, as they say. They do say <laughs> that, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to get acquainted. Uh, so, w okay, so folks are just uh, getting into Club Jumpers now. What's the best place for them to go and uh, learn and follow you guys? I mean, you know, we have clubjumpersmusic.com. Okay. Uh, we actually were on Spotify also as Club Jumpers. Uh, you can Google us, Club Jumpers with a K. There's uh, thousands of pages on us. We're on Wikipedia. Uh, our IG is my IG is Dan Matthews uh, underscore Club Jumpers. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I mean, we're everywhere. I mean, you can just type out Club Jumpers and we'll pop out everywhere. <laughs> That's so. great. Uh, and then for Rhythm 105.9, is that a F actual FM station? Uh, like you yes, it's a, Yeah, it's a terrestrial station. Yeah, it's uh, FM radio. The antenna is actually Yuba City, and we broadcast into uh, Sacramento, and it's an FM station. It's uh, www rhythm1059fm.com Awesome, and you're the, the program director there, is that correct? That's correct, I'm the operations manager and the program director for the station. And what is it, is it a dance station primarily or is it a mix of different, like how would you it's describe a, it? It's, it's a top 40 mainstream uh, billboard indicator uh, reporting station, it's actually a top 40. Oh, that's uh, that's interesting, do, yeah. Because we, now that yeah, the, we uh, go, I'm, oh I'm so sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was saying uh, we do play a variety of uh, music, and we, I, you know, of course, I love dance music, so I'm going to throw some dance music in there as well. So you report to the Billboard Top 40 uh, promoters, not not so much the well, the, the club chart, which is actually on hiatus, as you know. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, Bobby Shaw. Yeah, so yeah, I don't report to the dance chart. I report to the to the Top 40 mainstream chart, to the to the radio top 100 chart. Oh, that's so cool. That used to be, I was so obsessed with the Hot 100 for many, many years growing up. That would be like the chart, the go-to chart to find out what was going on. Even now, you know, uh, a top 40 chart song will oftentimes, uh, they'll develop a, um, a dancey piece for it to, I guess, to branch out to different demographics. Um, not all the time, but even some of the rap songs, they do, which is cool. Like no, exactly. Yeah, and you know we and I do I do a lot of remixes for the dance uh, chart, as a matter of fact, with you know on that side with Bobby Shaw. Uh, yeah, I love Bobby's great. Bobby in New York, yeah, make making it happen there on his side. Um, but let me let you go. We got to get the uh, our little Pride Top Ten going, which is um, mostly dance oriented. You know, we try to highlight the remixes. Uh, hence Club Jumpers version of uh, Get Me to the Disco. So uh, so that's going to be getting started. But before we get that started, Dan, I want to say thank you for joining us. And we are going to go out with your uh, Pitbull Suda uh, with Melanie, featuring Melanie uh, Furman. Actually, it's Melanie Furman featuring Pitbull. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Melanie Furman featuring Pitbull Suda, Club Jumpers Remix. And Tweeka, thank you so much for inviting me. I, you know, it's an honor to be on your Show. It's an honor to talk to you, Dan. It's the first time you're on House of Pride, so don't be a stranger. You're welcome back anytime. You and your brother, uh, come on back, okay? Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go out now with the Club Jumpers version of...
goes again. Mr. Own everything, Mr. Damn for whatever money, anything. You know I stay getting loose, stay wild in city to city, country to country, island to island, three continents, 48 hours. Just imagine what I do in one night, baby. Act right, that's what I like. Yeah, just like that. Yeah, I throw it hard, you throw it right back. Yeah, I love it when you look back at it. When it comes to the sex and the sweat, I'm an addict. Now shake your money, make it for the moolah. Dale, mami, dale, mami, dale, mami, Yeah, that's the Melanie Furman featuring Pitbull Suda, the Club Jumpers' uh, official remix radio edit. Fabulous. Uh, hey, let's shoot on down to Southern California and speak to our artist who was the number one uh, cat on our top, probably top ten countdown last week, the one and only Trey. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. How you doing, Tweeka? <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Relaxing here at home. Awesome. So you must be under uh, a lot of pressure, under stress to know if you're still number one this week on the <laughs> top ten <laughs> countdown. The suspense <laughs> is killing you. <laughs> I was hoping maybe the number two can go up to number one. Yeah, something can. radical like that. Um, <laughs> so um, Club Jumpers, Dan and I, we were complimenting you on really the production value of your entire EP, which is one of the um, aspects we look for when charting here on Pride Top 10, because as you know, there's a lot of, it's not just a, you know, a lot of folks come to the table to make a really good EP, and you guys really delivered. I thought this would, it would be fun to kind of just uh, listen and talk about a couple of the mixes that aren't on the top 10 on our chart, but are out there on other charts and doing really well. Uh, what do you think about that? Sounds great. So I, folks listening to us, uh, Craig's uh, EP is out everywhere. Every digital platform you can think of. So go and support him and his remixes, his remix team. Uh, so I went to iTunes. This is my go-to place to listen because they're pretty well organized and easy to get to and whatnot. So right away, there it is, all, all the mixes right in front of me and the pack and the artwork looks great. Did you, were you the director of the artwork? So I, I had an idea. So there's a guy that I, I was using for a while who always did a great job. But, you know, Matt Consola with Bushcraft, um, he co-labeled the release with me. 
he basically said, hey, I think you should use this guy. You know, he's really, really good, what have you. And I said, okay. So I, I reached out to him and he said, yes, you could do it. And I said, hey, the only thing that I'm really feeling right now is like seeing the back of a car, maybe like a, a Thunderbird or something, just like trying to get out of the pandemic and to the disco. So what you see is what he sent me. There were no revisions, nothing. Cool. It's very, very uh, neon light, kind of in transit to the disco. Yes. Yeah, exactly. He just crushed it. I was like, oh my gosh, wow, so good. Pablo, he did an amazing job. So I was super, super stoked. That's fabulous. So shout out to Pablo and the uh, Swish Craft label. Uh, That's right. Got to give them more credit when we're talking about this project. Yeah, for sure. Um, the only thing is it's not highlighting the actual remixes because there's so much your, your title is so long <laughs> like, oh right but we well, you can listen to you can hear us right right now yep so, okay so let's just go um, I know number one the first one I've downloaded so that's on our charts I won't play that I think that's uh, Dirty Disco Leo Frappier but let's check out the second mix and you can talk about it oh here we go My first question is, who's that diva singing in the background? Not you. We already know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Kiva. All right, Kiva. She's the same lady that sang with me on I Ain't Got Time For That, and she has a couple records out right now um, as well. well. That's cool. Yeah, she uh, – we, we, the Pride community loves our divas. <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah, she – She's, her pedigree is like off the hook. She toured with Shaka Khan on world tours. She toured um, around the world with Elton John. She sang with Natalie Cole. She sang with so many different people. She just sang at the Oscars in a choir. Um, it's not uncommon to find her on, you know, the um, singing talent contest in, in one of the choirs as a background singer. She's literally, she's so legit and, and seasoned and just the real deal. And she's a very good friend of mine. Awesome that you're so blessed to have connected with someone like that. Uh, yeah, she brings a lot to the table for sure. Fabulous. So that was uh, I, I recognize that one. That was one of the Dirty Disco <laughs> remixes. But that uh, was Luscious Low. Oh, that's Luscious Low. Okay, so I didn't make a mistake. That was Luscious Low, right? Yes. And uh, he totally redid the song. I mean, he took um, he created like one verse and then the rap and just created a really super cool groove about the whole thing. When I first listened to it, I thought, wow, this is really reimagined. And I was taken aback at, at um, how much I really liked it because I, I sort of nicknamed it my um, my Palm Springs mid-morning jam. You know, that's what I would want to hear if I'm in Palm Springs, you know, just getting ready to be poolside. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes. try to name, I try to name all the remixes. Well, yeah. you, you should send it to Hunters for sure. <laughs> I know, I need to, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, all right, so we, let's uh, let's try another mix. There's so many. We'll do, we'll do a couple more, uh, okay. folks. Once again, go go and get and download these mixes. Or actually, you have a deal where you download the whole uh, EP for a little less money. 
Uh, oh, here's Head Rocker. Now, who's Head Rocker? Lock, it's Lockdown Edit. Yeah, so Head Rocker, he is a producer over in the UK, and he's my guy. If I want to do a disco song, then I go straight to him. And I say, hey, I got this thing. I'll go on the garage band. I'll create like a little bit of a track, and I'll write this song, and I'll send it over to him to see what he thinks about it. And uh, he generally likes the stuff that I write and the hooks that I write, and he jumps on, and, and he produces the song and just seriously makes it what it is. So the Head Rocker um, Lockdown Edit, that's actually the single. The main single, the official single from the EP? Well, let's yeah. Let's check it out, Greg. Here we it's go. Great. I can relate to that stimulus check. <laughs> we need I another one. <laughs> oh my God! I wish it was that easy. Just take me to the <laughs> disco. The, I I went online to see if any dance floors are allowed to be open in San Francisco, and it and it plainly states no, like no congregating on dance floors or something to, like that. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's really <laughs> unfortunate. It is. It is. Well, we have this song to dance to in our, our apartments, I guess, on totally. ro rooftops. Even Absolutely. in <laughs> parks, right? Yeah, uh, right. I illegally, but yes. yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay, here's one more. Don't know who it is, but here goes. You can tell me after we listen to it. Okay. 